Hi, I'm Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. Let's take a look at a book that I, because I'm a history fan, I've read and uh, reread portions of it. I, I love it. It's called God's Battalions, and it's subtitled, which is odd, The Case for the Crusades. Rodney Stark is the author, a wonderful author, and uh, people like Philip Jenkins, who authored The Last History of Christianity, said uh, Stark has made us rethink so much of what we had assumed about the history of Christianity. And it said, uh, God's Battalions, the book we're going to talk about now, launches a frontal assault on the comfortable myths that scholars have popularized about the Crusades. So that's what I'd like to take a look at. Uh, all of his work is wonderful. I'm going to look at, uh, find it here, chapter 4. It's called Pilgrimage and Persecution. So he, uh, this is pretty early in the book. Before that, Stark has discussed how the spread of Islam took place, different places that it went to. And they talked about uh, early pilgrims that started coming to the Holy Land after the Muslims took over. And they said in 636, that's when the Muslim army actually first entered Palestine. And in 638, Jerusalem surrendered. And the caliph wrote a letter of assurance to the people in Jerusalem. And he says uh, he, that he would grant them security and they could have their churches and their crosses. And uh, we, it says we won't uh, station Muslim soldiers in their churches. We won't destroy the churches. And so, it sounds so humane and reasonable. But the next sentence says, no Jew shall live among them in Jerusalem. So that was a ban that was uh, practiced all over the Muslim world. Uh, Jews couldn't live in Arabia, and Muhammad himself had persecuted the Jews in Medina. But finally, a few years after this, they dropped that prohibition that allowed Jews to move back in. Well, kind of a mixed blessing. The only way a Christian or a Jew could live in Jerusalem under Muslim rule, anywhere that the Muslims ruled, they had to accept the subordinate role of Dhimmi, D-H-I-M-M-I, Dhimmi. They had to live with contempt and persecution. It said uh, Christian writers had all sorts of stories of persecution and harassment. There was slaughter. There was destruction at the hands of the Muslim rulers. Now, it says in a number of instances, the reports were also from Muslims implicated the Jewish community as participating in attacks on Christians. Well, in any event, all sorts of murders were taking place of Christian monks and pilgrims. And there's just a short list here based on a huge book called History of Palestine, 634 to 1099. And here are just some of the events. In the 8th century, 70 Christian pilgrims were executed by the governor of Kaisera. After that, 60 pilgrims from Asia Minor were crucified in Jerusalem. In the 8th century, Muslims attacked a monastery near Bethlehem. They slaughtered the monks, destroyed two nearby churches. In 796, they burned to death 20 monks from a monastery. In 809, there were multiple attacks on a lot of churches, uh, mass rapes and murders. Those were renewed in 813. In 923, on Palm Sunday, a new wave of atrocities broke out. Churches were destroyed. Many people died. So Stark is bringing this up because he really wants to challenge the idea that Muslims were so tolerant. No, they weren't. Well, then he said that Jerusalem became a city of great religious significance to Muslims, but it really didn't start out that way. There's no mention of it in the Quran. Um, initially, Muhammad had taught Muslims should face Jerusalem, then he shifted it to Mecca when the Jews let him down. They didn't embrace him as the prophet. 
But anyway, it's uh, uh, Jerusalem does become the idea of an important city to them. They build the Dome of the Rock from 8, 685 to 691. That was on the site of the long-destroyed Jewish temple. And uh, there's this wonderful structure there. And the city became holy to Muslims, but not as holy as it was to, of course, Jews and Christians. So now we start getting these penitent pilgrims pouring into the land. And uh, they're coming from all over the place. They said, uh, let's see, here toward the end of the 10th century, they said parties of 1,000 were common. One group from Germany began with at least 7,000 male pil pilgrims. They probably grew along the way. Un unbelievable. Only about 2,000 survived the trip because they were attacked along the way. Okay, well, let's move ahead. 878. A new dynasty was established in Egypt, and they seized control of the Holy Land from a caliph who lived in Baghdad. Well, not a lot changed right then, but in 996, there was another caliph who came along, and some people think he was mad. They're not sure, but uh, he was a terrible person. He ordered the burning or confiscation of all Christian churches. Estimates of about 30,000 were burned or pillaged. He stripped and destroyed the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, got rid of all traces of a carved-out tomb beneath it. Uh, word of this outrage just it made so many people angry all across Europe. And that finally kind of partially was responsible for lighting the fire under the Great Crusade. Now, this is around the year 1000. Um, let's see, what else did he do? Well, it says more and more attacks on Christian pilgrims in 1022. One abbot, uh, a very well-known abbot for the time, was imprisoned and executed by Muslims. Another man was stoned to death for having been detected reciting the mass in Islamic territory. In 1040, Ulrich, a man was stoned by a mob near the River Jordan. In 1064, a bishop and his large party of pilgrims were ambushed. Two-thirds did not survive, but said pilgrims were so intent on coming to Jerusalem because they brought money. So overall, they were welcomed. You know, feel free to bring your bucks. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? But in 1071, things changed dramatically. Uh, there was a large tribe of nomadic raiders, and they encountered Islam, and they were converted. And uh, they were called the Seljuk Turks. They came along. So they began to move west, and under a leader named Tugrul Bey, by 1045, they'd seized Persia. And they'd set themselves up in Baghdad as heirs of a caliphate before then. So uh, now we've got some problems there. We've got the, the Turks. Uh, it says, uh, let me see here. It says they, they might have settled down to just being a ruling elite, but they had this religious antagonism. And so they started fighting with other Muslims and said a man named Aziz, Let's see there, let's see who this is. Oh, a Turkish commander, Aziz. So he comes along and does very well for himself. He laid siege to Jerusalem. He promised the people safety, so they opened their gates, and then the Turkish troops rushed in and slaughtered and pillaged. Thousands died. He moved on. He murdered the populations of Ramla and Gaza, Tyre, Jaffa. So you've got all this bloodshed and all this turmoil, all of these Turks and other... Uh, Muslims are fighting with each other and fighting with Christians. Said it would have been a terrible time to be a Christian pilgrim. These Turks persecuted pilgrims, but 
they didn't, or maybe they didn't want to, interfere with a bunch of bandits there who preyed upon them. Well, there were a few armed groups, uh, Christian groups, who were able to get through, but there was pretty few and far between. Said most people got victimized or just turned back. And uh, even a Syrian historian acknowledged that in 1093, Muslims in Palestine prevented Christian pilgrims from going to Jerusalem. And uh, finally, the nobility of Europe, uh, they, they began to hear more and more stories of what was coming out of this land. They had independent information from their own relatives and friends who had managed to survive and returned with a terrible tale to tell of all these things going on there. So why is this chapter important that he's talking about here? Well, right toward the end, here's what Stark says. The Crusades were not unprovoked. Okay, so I think that's really important. Let me just stop there for a minute. We've been told, there's the story that the poor Muslims were just minding their own business and these robber baron, colonial-minded Christians came in and just ravaged the land because they wanted land and they wanted more money and they wanted to twist arms and, and hack heads and do all this kind of stuff. But the Crusades were not unprovoked. The, the Crusades coming up, our response to this very thing going on, to see your fellow Christians who were just simple pilgrims. They weren't armies. They were coming to worship in Jerusalem and they were uh, attacked and imprisoned and raped and beheaded and all sorts of terrible things. So key point here, the Crusades were not unprovoked. Muslim efforts at conquest conquest and colonization were still going on in the 11th century and, and way after that. Pilgrims were risking their lives to go to the Holy Land. The sacred sites of Christianity weren't secure. They are were being burned. They are being ripped apart. And the Knights of Christendom thought that they could put things right. So I'll end on that uh, chapter But uh, one more time, let me just go to one more person on the back who's talking about this book, God's Battalions. At last, a convincing, balanced book on the Crusades, far from the recent unsophisticated and ideological diatribes against them as being a bad thing. Stark demonstrates that the Crusades were neither unprovoked nor colonialist. Now, we haven't gotten to that, but let me just point out, and we'll probably cover it in another chapter another time, when the Crusaders came and defeated the Muslims and set up their kingdoms, it was not a moneymaker. They had to be supported from Europe. This is not a case of going in and stripping the land of everything it was worth. Anyway, so the Crusades were not unprovoked nor colonialist. And this is a man named Russell who uh, has written some historical books. He continues, their primary motivation, though sometimes abused, okay, so that's fair, was both defensive and spiritual. So they said, here's yet another rich and readable book from this thoughtful and distinguished author. So I think you would enjoy work by Rodney Stark. Uh, He wrote one called The Rise of Christianity. He wrote one called The Cities of God and uh, some other things. So a lot of fun. One called The Victory of Reason. I like that one a lot too. So this book is called God's Battalions and he's making a case for the Crusades, not in a in a blind fashion saying everything was wonderful, but just to give more of a historical context, because ever since 9-11, we've heard uh, a very incomplete and frankly a very inaccurate story of the Crusades. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get together again soon.